0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I apologize for being late. I was caught in quite a bad traffic jam. And um, I had planned this evening to speak about the last of the hindrances, since I've been talking about the hindrances but while I was sitting there in the traffic jam, I turned on the radio to find out what the traffic jam was about, to find out if I should get off at the next exit or whatever. And I heard, as perhaps some of you also heard, that uh, very near to here, a few few miles away in San Bruno, there's been a huge explosion. Um, many, many... The, the The fireball is apparently like 200 feet into the air. Many houses are... Being burned. Um, and my inclination this evening is to speak about suffering and compassion instead of speaking about the hindrances. So I thought I'd speak for just a little while and then open it up for discussion and then perhaps end this evening with a period of compassion practice for all of those people who are suffering this evening. Sometimes with something like this, it, it feels so... Um, I mean, it's so close to home here. I'm sure it's actually touching some of our sangha members um, who live in that area. And it feels so uh, uh, incomprehensible. You know, how does this happen? Why does it happen? And our minds often go to the why. We want to understand why. And in this particular practice, we we more... Live with the what um, it feels I don't know if that if that feels unsatisfying to some, but there there isn't in this particular practice there isn't a particular um, i mean there's of course the causes and conditions that led to whatever the explosion is they don't know at this point as far as I know what happened. Uh, They know it was not a plane crash. Um, So there's the causes and conditions that led to that. But but there seems to be a deeper kind of sense of, you know, for somebody who's involved in the middle of it, you know, why me? Why am I here? And, uh, you know, our practice is about meeting what is here more than trying to figure out why something happened to me, so that I don't know if that that doesn't feel very satisfying to you, but that that is kind of the beginning of uh, what this practice is about It's about meeting suffering the the um, the meaning or the kind of connection with our experience with our life with our friends with our families with the world comes through this connection that we have that we understand that suffering is a universal experience we all might be sitting in our homes and have have it burst into flames it's not it's not um This is just the law of impermanence. Actually, that this this could happen to any of us. So, meeting suffering is the connection. It brings a sense of meaning in a way. This. Capacity of the heart, the capacity of our heart to meet suffering brings a sense of meaningfulness. The opening of the heart to connect with someone suffering, not in the way of, oh, thank God it's not me, poor you, thank God it's not me, but... I really, I connect. I open. I open heartedly connect with your suffering, and in that open hearted connection, understand that there's not really a difference between you and me, and it could be any of us in that situation. So that the the, the feeling of compassion, the compassion, the quality of compassion it was interesting. Actually, as I was listening to the radio initially. Um, I, I, as I said, I turned on the radio to find out about the traffic jam that I was in, which was unconnected with the explosion. And, um, and I was mostly, you know, trying to make sure I was not going to hit the car in front of me. And you know, but listening to this news, it's just it was I was I felt a little numb, and was kind of not really connecting with the uh, with the impact or the the kind of sense of what had happened even though i was hearing these descriptions of this this fireball and hundreds of homes apparently on fire and you know many many ambulances and fire engines and i was seeing fire engines going by you know many many fire engines going by actually and i think they were not for the accident that i was in that that was in the area that i was in but i think they were fire engines going from the southern cities up to San Bruno to to support the uh, the accident there. So while I was sitting there, I was I was you know, feeling a little bit numb and feeling you know maybe somewhat frustrated because I knew I was going to be late to the to the sitting. And by the time I was still in the traffic jam down in Palo Alto at at seven twenty, at that point I knew I wasn't going to make it yeah. on time. So um, there was a little bit of that frustration. And what was interesting, at least in retrospect, I see this is quite interesting, that um, when I got past the area of the accident, and it had been cleared by the time I got there, so I didn't see what had happened, um, as soon as I was released from that kind of stop-and-go, trying to navigate all of the the cars around me, make sure I'm not going to run into anybody, as soon as I got into free, clear traffic my heart just opened with this feeling of compassion for the uh, people who are having their homes burned, the people who are, are, are suffering loss, perhaps death, injury, pain, grief. My heart just felt like it opened. And in retrospect, I realized that that little bit of frustration I was feeling, a little bit of clinging, a little bit of self-centeredness, blocks the the ability of the heart to meet suffering of others, to open in compassion. So there, you know, there's a lot of things that that we um, that block us from opening our, having our hearts open in compassion. The compassionate heart is the heart that can meet suffering without resistance, without fear, without self-centeredness, without a sense of vulnerability, And so there's so many things that can block it. I mean, even just, like in my case, that little bit of frustration kept me from feeling that sense of open-hearted connection, the wish, well-wishing, the wish for freedom from suffering for all of these beings who are suffering this evening. And I realize, too, as I, as I you know, say this, partly this feels so close to home, but this is happening every day. Every day, somewhere in the world, something like this is happening. We just don't hear about it or else it's, you know, somewhere else and it just doesn't feel connected somehow. So that kind of distance is a way that can block us from feeling compassion. A kind of a separation. It's like if it's happening in uh, in Turkey, you know, there's not such a sense of connection. There's the, 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 the bridge between self and other, that, that connection, feels a little tenuous when it's halfway around the world. And when it's happening here to people, perhaps that we know even, um, it's, it's easier to connect with that feeling of compassion. So that's one thing that can block the compassion, the sense of of separation, of of kind of that thank thank goodness it's not me or wouldn't happen to me. There's kind of this this deluded idea we have that this kind of thing can't happen to me. This is um, one of the most amazing things of our human minds, this ability of our minds to believe that we are immortal in the face of all evidence to the contrary. So that separation can keep us from feeling compassion. If we're, if we're wound into our own um, clinging, our own suffering, If we're if we're hooked by our own suffering, we will have we may have difficulty feeling compassion for others. I think that's what was happening for me on the freeway. I was I was hooked by the am I going to get there on time? We can have trouble feeling compassion because we're afraid, because of fear, a sense of vulnerability. That, um, you know, that, that there, one, one of the teachings around compassion is that the near enemy of compassion, a quality of mind that looks very similar to compassion but is, God, a little bit of a skew to it. That the near enemy of compassion is pity. That that, that there's a similarity between pity and compassion in that there's a often a wish to help. Uh, a wish to alleviate suffering, but the pity comes with a sense of separation that oh poor you, this is not me that it's happening to so with compassion there's a real sense of connection. it feels like it it might be you that that it could be it could be you, so that fear a sense of fear of that, it's like, I think it's a delusion, again, it's that delusion of um, kind of blocking ourselves from acknowledging our own mortality, our own impermanence. And we don't want to acknowledge that. We don't want to meet that truth. When we can open to impermanence, it can be an opening to compassion also. We can open to the impermanence of our lives, of our situations, of our relationships, of our homes, of our possessions, of everything that we consider I, me, or mine. open to the impermanence of our country, of our cities, of our, of everything. Everything is impermanent. And in that opening to impermanence, we can touch into the compassion, the feeling of compassion, even if there's not any kind of inherent suffering around that recognition of impermanence. I was on retreat at the Forest Refuge last winter, no, two winters ago. There was a huge ice storm in the east, Um, shut down power for four days. We used a generator um, at the Forest Refuge. And I woke up that first morning of the ice storm, and there were... um, all the trees were i was actually hearing these things that sounded like gunshots these big cracks and pops and i looked out the window and saw that there'd been this huge ice storm and the tree outside of my window which had been huge you know it was like it was it was separated it was a, it was like a spinny of trees about maybe seven or eight trees and it had like divided in half and the tips of the trees were nearly touching the ground and my, my heart just felt like it opened for in compassion for all the beings in the woods that night who had to try to find some way to survive that ice storm. It felt to me so much like a connection with impermanence. There was a connection with suffering too, but there was, it really felt like a, a meeting of impermanence, that it was a, it was a lesson in impermanence. And compassion was the response. So one thing that is interesting about this practice, um, you know, as we get more connected with our own experience, more connected with how things change in our own lives, how things are changing really quickly, actually, the more we connect with, the sense of impermanence in our own lives, the more we recognize this is a universal experience. This is not something happening to me, particularly. It's not personal. It is simply the phenomenon of impermanence that is a universal characteristic of everything that we experience. Everything that not only we experience, but everyone else experiences. And I think that's where the opening to compassion begins. Because we see in our own experience this impersonal, impermanent change that we have no control over so much of our lives. And when we see that that's true for everyone, the heart opens in compassion. So this path is is not really, I mean, it sometimes feels like when we're sitting in meditation, like it's kind of navel-gazing and, you know, just inward-looking. But it actually serves to open us, to connect us with all beings. The way I've been talking so far this evening about compassion is very much uh, about compassion for others. And there's also compassion for ourselves. Uh, That's an interesting experience. Um, I've experienced it in a couple of different ways. One of the first times I felt it kind of strongly was on a retreat um, where I was in a lot of suffering over... um, a situation. And, you know, I could see the suffering, I could see the pain. And at some point in turning towards that, I felt like I was sitting with a four-year-old little girl and there was a lot of compassion for that four-year-old little girl. There was still all the suffering there, but there was this sense of, you know, kind of meeting that four-year-old little girl and just wishing that she could be free from that suffering. That was kind of... It, it still kind of felt like a self-other experience. You know, it was clearly directed towards myself, but there was kind of a separation, in a way, in that feeling of compassion. More recently, I was... Going through something um, challenging in my life, and there was a lot of difficulty, a lot of suffering, a lot of, a lot of unpleasant vedana, a lot of unpleasant feeling tone, (laughs) a lot of things to do around this unpleasant feeling tone. I was it it became very busy, you know, things I needed to take care of a lot of things, and um, at some point there was this feeling that came up, and it's like, oh, what's that feeling? And the first a label that I gave to the feeling was something along the lines of uh, self-recrimination. And the next thought in my mind was, well, that's not appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I realized what I was saying to myself. It's like, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, what is this? I don't even really know what it is. That was just like what my mind had labeled it. And so I just kind of opened to just meeting it, whatever it was. And whatever, I don't know what that initial feeling was, but what happened was that the experience turned into just this impersonal compassion. Just like, this is suffering. And it was a very interesting experience. Of There was just the compassion. There wasn't a separation. There wasn't a self-other thing. There wasn't a compassion to me. There was just compassion. It was. It was as if that compassion, that cult, that, that compassion, that opening of compassion to to suffering, was. It was also impersonal. It really kind of was a, a pointer, in a way, to that 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 not self. There, 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 that it was just an impersonal experience of compassion. So this feeling of compassion can be equally felt for self as for others. I think when it really comes down to um, the open heart, there isn't a difference. It doesn't feel like there's a difference. So I'd like to... See if there's any thoughts or comments or questions.
1: I appreciate what you've been saying. Um, It occurred to me while you were talking that um, through compassion, which means identifying with the, with the um, on brothers and sisters, with the rest of people, individually and in groups, that, um, and recognize that this compassion is for the impermanence that does happen, but it's impermanence in a negative way, which is happening all around us all the time, but through, developing compassion, identification, perhaps even being able to do something to relieve the misery of others, then through this recognition, there's impermanence in another way, in a good way. And that's the function of why we're here. (laughs) Because then if we recognize that, instead of hiding it, unconsciously or consciously, then that way we can begin to achieve more peace with ourselves and even joy. So that's another result, which is impermanent, I mean, because we're getting rid of it, but in a very positive way. And so I want to think of that too. Yes. Well, that's the reason we're here. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. I think that's beautifully said that the, as we do, it, it, I, I like to think of it rather than identification with others, kind of breaking down the barriers of self and other. That, uh, it becomes more, it, it becomes more permeable. Um, and, and as that happens, then there is more of a sense. And, and you mentioned the, the wish to take action. And that is a very crucial part of compassion also. It it includes that, that wish to take action. I think that's why I'm talking about this tonight. (laughs) Um, And it does does open us to this possibility, because we are breaking down these barriers, there is more of that connection. We see that whatever happens to us happens to others. So, there's less of a wish to that the 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 wish to harm I think begins to uh, or the wish to hold on so much that to protect and defend dies dies down some and and then there is kind of a natural um more peaceful connection that comes into being. It's very beautiful. Thank you for bringing that part up.
2: I'm going to use a word. I hope you won't be offended. Um, as Irv was talking, I was thinking about the saying "shit happens," <laughs> and um, and I was thinking that's really interesting because that that phrase is 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 unintentionally or maybe intentionally stated to sort of depersonalize all of, all of the stuff that's going on around you. Uh-huh. So it just happens, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's not something that, uh, that's something you should be worried about, you know, or be concerned about.
0: We, it, it doesn't benefit us to try to control our world so that stuff doesn't happen to us. I mean, we do, we do that. I mean, it it makes sense to, you know, have a job and things like that. But but there are just certain things that are beyond our control. And and I I remember before I really started, before I started practicing, one of my main patterns of mind was projecting into the future for all possible scenarios I could envision and trying to come up with how I'd respond to each one And after after some time, I began seeing that, first of all, very rarely did any of the scenarios I could create, almost never did those happen. Something else happened instead that I hadn't planned for. And even if one of those did happen, then all of my great plans about how I would respond and what I would say and what I would do just went out the window because... I was in the situation, and in the middle of a situation, you have no idea how you're going to respond. So my, my sense now is that the best thing I can do is to cultivate an open heart and a connected heart and the ability to be present with my experience now, and that will serve me well whatever happens. That open heart can meet our own suffering. it can meet the suffering of others. it can meet the joy of others without feeling um, like we 're being ripped off somehow it can meet it can meet anything with a balance so yeah that that um, that impersonal nature um, of it ha- can help us to. Not take it so personally. I mean, we do tend to do that. And to, you know, you know have us come into this moment. This is, I think, really what, what this teaching is about, is come into this moment to meet this moment. That will serve you to be able to meet whatever happens in the most skillful way that you can. So thank you.
3: So, I don't, um, watch the news or read the news, um, at all. I actually stopped doing that entirely because, um, I'm really sensitive to it when, when I read about or hear about a situation in which people are suffering, I feel extremely helpless. I want to help and I can't. I'm just kind of sitting here and there, there. And, um, and I feel like, why am i wasting my time just sitting here sort of vicariously experiencing these other people's sufferings if i can't do anything about it so my solution is basically to to just check out to just mm-hmm. not think about it at all um and it's what you're talking about sounds like you're doing the opposite you're checking into it
2: yeah
0: well i i also don't um Stay that connected with, I don't read the newspaper. I will, I will from time to time, maybe once a week, I'll look at the, the headlines and kind of check in. Um, I, I had had a very similar response to you the sense of what can I do, and found that my mind was spinning about what could I do and not being able to do anything. Um, today I checked in <laughs> and you know it's actually a lesson for me to see that I can check in <laughs> I can check in now um, and you might from time to time try checking in and do it as a practice um, you know don't do a lot of it you know maybe you know maybe once a week sit down with A page of the newspaper and read a story and track how you're responding. What are you feeling? Um, There's some very beautiful emotions that come, and there's you can have a feeling of helplessness. I mean, I remember at one point I was on a retreat. It was during the Columbine massacres. And it was a monastic retreat. I think if it had been any other retreat, we would not have been told about this until the end of the retreat. That tends to be the way retreats are. They, they try to kind of isolate you from the world. But on this retreat, it was a monastic retreat and, you know, they're kind of always in their life and in retreat and, you know, it's like they heard this news and it was very natural for them to tell us. It's like, you know, five or six days into a ten day retreat. It just went in so hard. You know, it was so painful. Um, And for a while I spent, it's like, well, what can I do about this? What can I do? And here I am on retreat, you know, 15 children were killed by another child. And at some point, what I connected with was and it, it it felt it felt like the like the natural turning. What I could do was practice. What I could do was meet my experience. And I reported that to one of the monks in an interview, and he said, "And that's not just some you know, um, papering things over. You know, really, that's that's a very." Genuine response, actually, that we can turn towards meeting our own experience, both of what we, how we are taking in this suffering, this news, and just meeting that experience, meeting this moment prepares us for, again, as I said a few moments ago, prepares us for beginning, able to meet something that may come up that's right in our face, where we have no choice to 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 check out. So for me one thing that I've really turned to is practice. That that is an action that we can take. And we can't we can't necessarily, you know, we can perhaps send money or, you know, do charitable work or something Very often we can't, we can't do much in the face of the kinds of disasters that are out there. But we can practice and we can... um, You know, I have a strong sense that the practice, when we practice, it ripples out from us. That it, it, it begins to touch others in very tangible ways. So it's not just a, a you know a cop out kind of thing. It's it's a genuine response that if you feel that, you know that sense of helplessness, practice with that sense of helplessness. Meet it.
3: I, one thing that came up for me as you were talking is that the way that I paid attention to the news before was actually kind of a form of checking out, because what I was doing was was Wanting to fix it, wanting to change it, wanting it to be different than it is, rather than what you said, which is meeting it, and what you said, you know, treating it as a practice is basically meeting it. Yes. Meeting both the the actual reality of what's happening, as well as meet my own wish for the sus- for the suffering to end.
4: Yes. Yeah.
3: This is really about how I do it, as opposed to doing it or not doing it. Yes. Thank you. I'll try that as a
0: practice. I think we had a question.
2: So, uh, this this idea of compassion and how to how to best connect with it, and it's something I, I've been th- thinking about and working with for a while now, and come to the realization, at least for myself, and some others that I've run into as well that one of the biggest single hindrances to con- truly connecting with compassion is, is judgment. And the fact that you, you judge what it is you see or what it is you hear or what it is that you did or somebody else did or the conflict that you're watching in some way. And that if you can connect with the event without judgment and leave the judgment to the side... That you'll often then immediately and relatively quickly come to to realize the the compassion and what you need to see about both sides if you're mm-hmm. watching a conflict between two individuals or two groups or whatever um, it's it's your judgment about the situation that actually makes you unable to to truly understand both sides of the conflict and in so doing diffuse it and so To your point about practice, the point of the practice is to reduce your reaction. That's one less person, one less event (laughs) that's going to create tension, going to create conflict in the situation. And that alone is a benefit. And if you can communicate that to one other individual, two other individuals, one group of individuals, maybe then you have benefited more than just yourself. Absolutely, in this practice.
0: Yes, that's very well said. Thank you very much for 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 bringing that up. It's that's beautiful. I don't really need to add
4: anything to that. <laughs> Thank you, Maureen. Yeah, I had an illustration of probably just that today. My family had a my family back east had a bit of a crisis, and. Um, One sibling needs some caretaking and the other siblings have opinions. And um, I found myself having a lot of compassion to the designated sick person. But the people who were ranting about what was going to happen next, I was closing my heart to them. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. And... I I tried to stop. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Listen, listen. You know, this person really is suffering. They're ranting about what's going on. And I was protecting myself against their anger and their spewing. And it was like, this person's really in pain. And I don't necessarily agree with them, but it was like, oh. And so I shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You you shut up? I I was quiet and just uh let them go. And then later on... um, Interactions were renewed later on during the day so that I knew better how to interact with the people who were on site helping with what was going on, that there was this need to, um, maybe not a need, It's it, there was just a whole lot of venting and complaining and fear and and um regret and just emotional stuff that went on and instead of you know directing them back to focus on the person who needed the immediate caretaking as would probably be my want it's like it's i just let it go and i was like oh you know i was turning away from that person mm-hmm.
0: and later when you went back did you um did you acknowledge their suffering in any way? Um,
4: in that we talked about what was going on. Mm-hmm.
0: And that, that can be an interesting approach, too. I mean, I, you, you need to use your judgment on this as to whether it's skillful or not. But when there's something like that, when you actually connect to the suffering, I mean... That's going on. The anger, probably fear, mm-hmm. underneath. Uh, in that situation, you know, to to actually speak to that, you know, to say, wow, you know, there's a lot of. Seems like there's a lot of fear going on right now, you know, and, and to 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 have that kind of compassion, to be able to to speak to it, sometimes. That that person is met in that moment. Just meeting somebody else's suffering, you know, th- even just the willingness to be with somebody else's suffering can be quite a profound experience. You don't even have to say much. But so, I mean, it sounds like that's what you were doing. You, you didn't choose to speak, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that you can also, you know, explore that edge, too, a little bit. Um, Sometimes it can be, you know, just to say, wow, it's really hard right now, isn't it? Just that can make somebody recognize, oh yeah, it is really hard right now. And that kind of can make things fall apart. Thank you. Why don't we end with about ten minutes of, of compassion practice? I'll speak a, just a few minutes about this practice uh, first. This practice... How many of you are familiar with the loving-kindness practice? I should ask how many are not familiar with the loving-kindness practice? Okay, so you're, you're pretty much all familiar with the, the, the sense of um, repeating phrases that express a wish of happiness or kindness for another being. With compassion practice, it's very similar um, except the phrase is one of expressing the wish of freedom from suffering. So you're expressing a wish of compassion, that that they may be free from their suffering. Um, Sometimes people... The the classic phrase that we uh, restate in our minds is just one phrase for compassion practice is may you be free from this suffering. May you be free from this suffering. Sometimes people find in certain types of scenarios um, that, that it feels hard to express that particular wish because they see that there's no way perhaps for this person to be free of this particular suffering. At least right now. And so sometimes people feel more comfortable saying something along the lines of either I care about your suffering or may you have some ease around this difficulty. Something along those lines. My way of approaching it for myself is the, what we're connecting with here is the wish for somebody to be free from suffering, not whether that wish can come true. We're connecting with the wish, and we are actually wishing for them to have that freedom. So in my, you know, if I had the power if I had the power, or if it was possible through this wish for somebody to be free of suffering, isn't that what I would wish? That's how I connect to this wish. So for me, I use that wish. May you be free from your suffering. May you be free from this suffering. But if that doesn't work for you, um, I'll, I'll, I'll guide it just at the beginning a little bit. But if you find another phrase that feels more comfortable for you that you can connect with this, Please use that. The other thing about compassion practice is that we are actively connecting with suffering. So for this period, we're going to uh, call to our minds the situation that these people are in, this explosion, homes burning, people dying, people being injured, people losing their property, we're going to actively connect to that in whatever way you can if it gets overwhelming then sit with your own sit with compassion for your own experience of overwhelm so the the practice of compassion is intimately connected with meeting suffering so we'll begin with just connecting to the area of our heart for a few moments and just touch into what you're feeling in the area of your heart. There's no right or wrong. It's just what you're feeling. For me, it helps to make it an embodied connection. So what is the physicality? What's the felt sense of the experience in the area of the heart? and calling to mind the people who have been impacted by this explosion this evening. Seeing if you can open your heart to the suffering that they are experiencing, the pain of loss of husbands or wives or children, of seeing families, family members burned, of seeing homes burned. And express the wish towards these these people. May you be free from this suffering. May you be free from
4: this suffering.
0: With each phrase, connecting again to perhaps an image, of a particular situation and expressing the wish, may you be free from this suffering. Taking your time connecting with the the suffering and expressing the wish the next few minutes using your own phrase. for the last couple of minutes, I'd like to suggest that we expand out this field of compassion to all beings everywhere. Allowing yourself to connect with in whatever way comes to mind away beings suffer through anger through loss through fear through terror through sadness through illness may all beings be free from suffering May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be free from suffering. Thank you for your compassion practice. I will be away next week. When I return the following week, I will finish the series on hindrances.